Well, happy Father's Day, everyone. I hope you dads get spoiled a little bit today and you're appreciated for all that you do. You know, my teenage daughter asked me what I wanted for Father's Day, and I said only that she watch with me the movie of my choosing. Come on. So Father's Day for me is going to include a classic guy movie. I think I'm going to introduce her to like Rocky or Braveheart, try to educate her on some of the more important movies that have ever been made. So we're going to have a great time on Father's Day. You know, Mother's Day may be the day when uh, the most calls happen all year, but Father's Day is the day where the most collect calls happen all year. It's like, I love you, Dad, but I need you to pick up the bill. Well, Father's Day makes me think of the two kinds of people in the world that uh, exist when it comes to recreation. There's outdoorsy people and there's indoorsy people. I know a lot of you dads are outdoorsy people. I'm more of an indoorsy person. I, I appreciate the outdoors, uh, but it's not really my thing. You know, I'm more with like Jim Gaffigan who said this. He said, if it's so great outside, then why are all of the bugs trying to get in my house? <laughs> That's what I'm saying, so yes. Um, but I know lots of people who are more outdoorsy. I mean, they want to hike, they want to camp, they want to get away from it all. And, and when they're in their out, outdoors, they really thrive, you know. And so the ultimate kind of outdoorsy person has got to be this guy named Aaron Ralston. He was hiking in Utah when an 800-pound boulder shifted, pinning his left hand to the canyon wall. And he was trapped there for five days. He went through every emotion that you could imagine. He begged God to do something miraculous. He hoped that someone might find him as he yelled for help. But eventually he realized nobody was coming. His water was out and there was only one way that he could get free and survive. He had to free himself from the boulder that was pinning his hand. That's when he decided to break his own arm. And he said when he broke his arm, it made a popping sound that echoed through the whole canyon. He said it hurt a lot, which truly, that's got to be the ultimate understatement of the century, right? It hurt a lot. And if breaking it wasn't bad enough, then he began to cut his hand off, his arm off, uh, slowly with a dull pocket knife. Now, can you imagine uh, cutting your own arm off with a dull pocket knife? Come on, somebody, that's next level right there. And after he cut his arm off and freed himself, he began to hike. At one point, he had to rappel down a 65-foot drop with one arm. He hiked for seven miles through the canyon until someone eventually helped him. And you may remember his story because it was highlighted in the movie 127 Hours and in his autobiography, which is called Between a Rock and a Hard Place. It's an amazing story of grit and survival. And Aaron Ralston is still an outdoorsman to this day. Well, a lot of us find ourselves today in our own way stuck between a rock and a hard place. And what hit me most about Aaron's story, beside the fact that this guy is made of way tougher stuff than me, is that that moment of decision he made when he was stuck. See, he wanted to be unstuck for 127 hours, but everything changed when he moved forward despite the fear and despite the unknowns. I mean, it seems like every year we hear about hikers and other outdoor enthusiasts who get lost in a snowstorm or a dense wilderness. And between when they go missing and when rescuers are able to reach them, many times their survival depends not on the efforts of search parties, but on their own ability to survive. 
See, how adept are they at building shelter, at starting a fire, at staying warm, at identifying edible vegetation? How resilient are they? How hopeful are they? So the key to staying alive for those who get desperately lost isn't just kind of um, knowing how to be found, but knowing how to survive until you're found. And the same is true for us when we're between a rock and a hard place. Some of us are there right now emotionally or physically or even spiritually. It could be with your job. It could be in your marriage. It could be in your relationships. It could be as a parent or as a grandparent in your life. It could be in your relationship with God. You feel like you're stuck and, and you're waiting and waiting and waiting. You're waiting between chemo treatments. You're, you're waiting between checks. You're waiting between conversations to figure out where things are going. You're waiting to see how the coronavirus plays out. And in the midst of the waiting, it's very easy to just start falling back on the why questions. We say, God, why? Why me? Why now? Why am I going through this? Why am I in this situation? Why am I suffering? Listen, why is a very important question, and it's a good question, but sometimes it just spins us around and around without answers. We could get paralyzed there. And I want to encourage you today, because if you're stuck between a rock and a hard place, there is a huge reservoir of hope that is available to you if you are willing to trust. If you're willing to have the courage to embrace a different question. See, instead of spinning around with why, a better question may be who? Who will I trust in this situation? Who is worthy of my trust? Who can help me? Who or what is supreme in my life? Who's my king even in this situation? And the good news today from the book of Colossians is that Jesus is a king that will help. Now Paul wrote this book to believers who really found themselves between a rock and a hard place. Many of them felt stuck in their lives as well and he reminds them that Jesus is king of life and he's supreme over all creation. We can trust him because he has it all under control. We can trust his love because ultimately his love and his acceptance define our value, not other people's opinions. He can give us value and worth that cannot be taken away by a pandemic. He can empower us to survive and thrive in the midst of the waiting. And so Jesus has already defeated whatever is trying to defeat you. Let's check this out. We'll bring it up on the screens. Colossians chapter 2. Uh, I like to kind of highlight uh, one word in the scripture. And then I'd just like to ask you um, at home or, where, or whichever location of ours you may be watching from that are open. Uh, I'd just like, like to ask you to say the word out loud with me when we get there. It's kind of how we make sure everybody's awake as we go along here. So here's what we read. Colossians chapter 2, beginning of verse 9. It says, for in, Christ, uh, for, in, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are what? Complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. It's an amazing section of the Bible. Paul says Jesus is the fullness of God and we can experience God's fullness through faith in Christ. He says that we're complete through our union with Christ. So I want to look at how we can survive in the waiting that we're in. And I want to look at how we can experience more of that completeness through our union with Christ. And my first thought for you today is simply this. Look up to rise up. Look up to rise up. Now, uh, I've got a, a $100 bill uh, up here. Check this out. How many of you, uh, when you see a $100 bill, you wouldn't, you wouldn't mind having this, right? How many of you at home wouldn't mind having this? Make some noise in the living room, somebody. Uh, like, yes, who, who wouldn't want a $100 bill, right? Crisp, clean, it's got 
great value, we know what it can do, it's a $100 bill. But how about now? Not in the age of coronavirus, y'all. I'll just blow on it. Still want it? Yeah, I bet you do. Because you know you can lice all that sucker and it'll be just fine, right? Or how about this? Still want it? Still take it? Yeah, how about this? How about now? Still a $100 bill, right? I know everybody at home, everybody at our locations that are meeting, will be raising their hand right now saying, yeah, I'll take the $100 bill. I'll figure, out, I'll figure out how to sanitize it. It'll spin just fine. I want you to think about this. Listen, you may feel crumpled up. You may feel wrinkled, stomped on. You may feel dirty, chewed up and spit out. But life for you is, your life is still valuable because your worth comes from God. You're loved by God. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter what you've experienced. It doesn't matter how much you've been stomped on. You are still valuable to God. Paul says you are complete through your union with Christ, even if you are battle weary in your life. A lot of us kind of feel weary right now. In fact, uh, I put together this uh, little chart just to help help us kind of frame up some of the things we may be feeling. I mean, we like being in situations where at least to some degree we can understand, control, and fix. I mean, before you have kids, you may think that, that, that you'll be able to understand, control, and fix whatever your kids face, that you'll just sort of raise them right and everything will be fine. Or you meet a guy or a girl, you fall in love, and in the early days of love, you think you understand him or her. <laughs> and, uh, and you don't, you, you know, if whatever you don't like, you think you can, you can understand it, you can control it, you can ultimately fix it. For you leaders, you may not always know exactly what to do, but you're used to getting a pretty quick understanding of the situation and then having a clear pathway to influence and control in whatever way you can and then to be able to fix the situation. That's what leaders do. If you're a successful business person, you understand, and you control, and you fix. That's what you do. That's what's kept you successful. Um, you know, in life, uh, if you get a tough health diagnosis, you know, what do, what do you do? If the doctor says cancer, well, you throw yourself into research. You try to understand, and then you start doing the things that you can do to control. Maybe you change your diet. Maybe you start to exercise. Uh, you, you know, you take medication, whatever, and, uh, and you try to ultimately fix and get better. But life happens. It happens in all of these situations. I mean, you treat all your kids the same with the same love and guidance, but they're all different. And pretty soon, every parent realizes that there is so much about our kids that we don't understand. And there's things that we can't control, and there's things and challenges in their individual lives that we don't know how to fix. You get married, and the longer you're married, the less you understand, right? Come on, somebody. There's some things about that person that you love that you will never understand. You realize that, that you aren't in as much control as you thought, and you are less able than ever to fix them. As a leader or a business owner, 
coronavirus hits, and now we're in an, in an era where we still don't fully understand exactly how to move forward. We feel very out of control, and we don't know how to fix things in our life. The health situation, it continues to worsen, that despite your best efforts, and so, you know, we, we want to understand, control, and fix, but so often we find ourselves in a situation where we're actually uncertain, we're powerless, and we're insignificant. That's how we feel. And I think this is where we may want to be, but this is where a lot of us are in our lives. I don't know where you're at in your life, but um, when you find things you can't understand, control, and fix, the likelihood is that you come to the end of yourself. I mean, what do you do when you come to the end of your strength, when all of your parenting efforts fail, when all the pivoting that you've done at your workplace doesn't work, when your marriage hemorrhages under the quarantine, when your bank account continues to suffer, when you can't see the options anymore, when you run out of medical choices? What do you do when you're battle-weary, when you feel crumpled up and stomped on by life, when the fight goes out of you? This is the terrain many of us have been navigating. This week I was working out at my house where I have this old school squat rack and barbell set up and it's been a while since I worked out so like yay for me. And uh, I've been thinking about kind of just my own desire to understand, to control, to fix. And as I was working out, I looked up at this picture on the wall that's a scripture. And I've read it a million times. But this time when I read it, it just struck me like a ton of bricks. It, it just hit me. I stopped what I was doing. I got huge tears in my eyes. And I felt like God was speaking to me in a fresh way from a scripture I had read so many different times. And I've been thinking about understand, control, and fix. And so so when I read this scripture, which is Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, here's what hit me. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, what? Submit to him and he will make your paths straight. And it just laid over this so beautifully. When we can't understand, we have to trust. When I can't control, I have to submit to God. When I can't fix, I have to trust him to make straight. I stood there in the gym this last week, tears in my eyes. Been so frustrated as a leader. Been so frustrated trying to, to figure out the way forward, trying to understand, control, and fix for 90 plus days. That it was just such a powerful reminder to me to stop, to trust, to submit, and to believe that God will make it's straight. Don't lean on your own understanding, it says. Instead, lean on something way more steady and secure. Lean on God. Trust God with all of your heart. Submit to him. Give control over to him. Let go of your need to control. He will make your path straight. He will fix what you cannot fix. See, if the need to understand, control, and fix has left you battle-weary, may I suggest that God has you and me exactly where he wants us to be. And so when the question moves from why we can't understand or control or fix to who we can trust in the unknown, we find this new resource of strength in our lives. We begin to ask, like, what is God trying to teach me? Listen, just because we are facing global problems, that doesn't mean God isn't trying to teach you individual things. What is God trying to teach you right now? What lessons can you take from this season? God's been teaching me that the first step to moving forward when you're stuck between a rock and a hard place is pretty counterintuitive. It begins with surrender. 
It starts with not leaning on your own understanding, to trust, to submit, and to let God fix what we cannot fix, to surrender, to remember who we are and whose we are. We're not complete because our kids are getting along. This is for somebody today. Listen, we're not complete because uh, you know our kids are making great grades or they don't have challenges. We're not complete because our marriage is, is rocking and the, and the romance is flowing and our life looks like a rom-com. We're not complete because our bank accounts are flush. We're not complete because our businesses are doing well. We're not complete because our health situation is secure. We're not complete because we know exactly what to do in this season. We're not complete because we have the strength in ourselves. We are complete, Paul says, through our union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and every authority. Listen, Jesus is king. And as believers, you are united with the king. You are complete in Christ. He was willing to sacrifice his life for yours. Your values set by his decision, not your performance. Your values set by his sacrifice, not your selfishness. Your value is set by the depth of his love, not the level of your achievement. Your value is set by the, by the uh, gift to, to receive uh, the grace of God, not by something you earn through your own effort and performance. Your value is set by his actions and not others' options. And listen, others cannot steal what God has given. Come on, somebody at home. Others cannot diminish what God has established. Others cannot reduce the price that God was willing to pay because he set your value on the cross and it was the highest price that he could possibly pay. And so in Christ today, you are more than a victim. Listen, in Christ, you are more than a casualty. You are a conqueror. In Christ, you're more than your circumstances. You're an overcomer. In Christ, you're more than your failures. You are forgiven and free. In Christ, you are more than your abilities. You are filled with God's spirit. In Christ, you're more than your pain. You are healed by God's love. In Christ, you're more than your weakness. You are empowered by God. In Christ, you are not simply stuck. You are being sanctified. Listen, in Christ, you're not paralyzed. You're filled with his purpose. In Christ, your life is not your own. You belong to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm speaking to somebody today. Listen, you're so tired and worn out. You don't know which news feed to believe, which way to turn, which way to look, but only Jesus is big enough to lead us forward. Only Jesus is big enough to unite us. Only Jesus is big enough to give us the way forward. Only Jesus is big enough to remind us of what truly matters in life and to orientate our lives around that. Only Jesus is strong enough to get us through the dark night. Listen, only Jesus is compassionate enough to see you through your loss and your pain. Only Jesus is powerful enough to calm the raging storm. You gotta look up to him, even if you feel stuck, and then you will begin to rise up. You gotta look past the news feeds, look past the divisive rhetoric, look past the fear and the uncertainty, and look to Jesus. Jesus has already, Jesus has already defeated whatever is trying to defeat you. Look up to rise up, and then step in to your victory. Step into your victory. Every Father's Day, I think about my dad. He was born a week before Father's Day on June 10th and passed away just before Father's Day on June 14th, 2011. He was 87 years old. And I remember when I was uh, 14 years old, I once got banned from Sears stores until I was 18 because I got caught 
stealing a cassette tape. <laughs> this was a long time ago, friends, and uh, we used to listen to music on these things called cassette tapes, okay? Hang with me here. So they took me to the back room and they called my dad, who I found out later asked them to call the police and take me to the police station. <laughs> so the police come and uh, they, they get to Sears, they cuff me, they walk me out right through the whole department store, right out the front door in handcuffs, and they put me in the, in the squad car. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> Appreciate that. He's like, I'm going to teach my kid a lesson. They drive me down to the police station where I wait. And what really killed me was my dad, when he came to pick me up, I mean, he picked me up at the police station, and I, I wasn't sure what he was going to say, but he just didn't say anything. We, we, we got in the car. He didn't say a single word. The silence was so deafening. So, we, we, you know, we get out of the car. We go into our house. We go into our kitchen area, and what I remember is my dad says, uh, sit down. Now, you got to know, man, my dad was a World War II vet and a master sergeant in the Army, and so when he said, like, sit down, you sit down. And so he sits, and he looks out the window forever. I don't know how long it was, but I can still remember the sound of the clock ticking behind my head. And I'm feeling smaller and smaller as time goes on. And finally, he says, Judd, I don't understand why you would do that. You know better than that. You are better than that. That's not who you are. And then he began to talk to me about who I am based on who God says I am, that I had a purpose, that I had a calling, that there was a reason I was here, that I had meaning in my life. Listen, when he was done with this conversation, what really struck me the hardest was not only the words that he said, but that he just got up and left. He was so hurt and so heartbroken that he didn't even discipline me. I mean, I was expecting to be grounded for, for a year, right, y'all? Come on, like I'm never gonna go to the mall again. But he was so hurt he stood up and he just walked away. I would have preferred to have been punished, but instead I was just deeply impacted by his lack of punishment. I went on to do a lot of other dumb things in those years. Stealing wasn't one of them. But the only way that I pulled through those years was my parents' love, its consistency and its faithfulness. Even when everyone else had given up on me and written me off, they never did. And, and when I think about them, I, I think about God. That's how God loves us. We make mistakes, we fail, but God's love and, is consistent. And in Christ, we can step into spiritual victory. We're not our past or our mistakes. We're not our failures. Listen, I don't know what your earthly father was like. But whatever your earthly father was like, or if you even knew your earthly father, your heavenly father is good and perfect. Your heavenly father loves you. And the Bible calls him the father of the fatherless. The father of the fatherless. And he has given you victory in Christ. Look at this, Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 13. Help me out when we get to the red word here. He says, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you what? Alive with Christ. For he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. God made you alive with Christ. Paul shares with us two sort of beautiful truths that we must kind of always keep at the forefront of our minds and our hearts when we're weary and when we're stuck. He says, first of all, our sins have been forgiven. And secondly, we have been resurrected to new life. That phrase, a record of charges that Paul used, it was, it was used in the culture to refer to a certificate of indebtedness that had been handwritten by the debtor in acknowledgement of his debt. And all of us owe God a debt because we've sinned and we violated his law. 
It's you know, way worse than getting banned from Sears. Our sin has separated us from God. And Paul says this debt, this, quote, record of charges was canceled by the cross, which literally means to wipe off like erasing a blackboard. Now listen, ancient documents were commonly written either on papyrus or, uh, or this paper-like um, material or vellum, which was kind of made from an animal's hide. And um, what was fascinating to me is that the ink that was used had no acid in it. And so it didn't really soak into the writing material. And so since the ink just remained on the surface, it could be wiped off if they wanted to reuse the material. Paul says here that God has wiped off our certificate of debt. Come on, man. He's wiped off our sin and our shame. He's nailed it to the cross. Not a trace of it remains to be held against us. Our forgiveness is complete. Jesus didn't come to simply make bad people good. Listen, he came to make spiritually dead people alive. He didn't come to simply give us new rules. He came to give us new life. God took our rap sheet and he nailed it to the cross. That certificate certificate of debt, that sin, that past, that shame, that thing that you did, that thing that you didn't do, all of that has been paid for by Jesus Christ. It's been taken care of by Jesus Christ. And so we get to Colossians chapter 2 verse 15. Paul goes on even more. He says, in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and the authorities. And check this out. Help Help me say this word out loud with me. He what? Shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So what, what was God doing through the cross? He was shaming spiritual rulers and authorities publicly by his victory. I mean, have you ever seen a parade that the winning team of the Super Bowl does each year? You know, in the par- or the parade that the NBA championship has after winning the championship, they parade their victory. And in a way, they like publicly shame the other team. They're declaring their superiority over every other team. And... Um, A victory parade is exactly what Paul's alluding to here. Like a victory parade that a nation would have after the victory of a war. See, in the cross, Jesus held a victory parade. He robbed evil spiritual powers of their power. Listen, he disarmed them. The crosses where Jesus publicly shamed the powers of evil and declared his superiority. He literally shamed the evil forces that want to shame you. He condemned the forces that want to accuse you. Jesus has already defeated whatever is trying to defeat you. The victory has already been won by Christ. And one day in heaven... We will be the ultimate recipients of that victory. But even now, we can step into our victory. See, we may be stuck, but we're not finished. We may be struggling, but we are forgiven and free in Christ. We may face the unknown, but we can step out in faith and we can trust in the one who knows it all. We may face things that we can't control, but we can just surrender to the one who is in control in our lives. We may feel there's no way out, but we can look up, rise up, and step into our victory today. So today, you can make a decision to move forward. Today, you can step into your spiritual victory and you can live from that. You're more than a conqueror in Christ. And maybe for some of us, that means meditating on spiritual truths that lead to freedom more than allowing our negative thoughts to run wild. Maybe it means taking a break from social media. Uh, Maybe it means less news feeds for a season in our life. Maybe it means stepping out of the same old conversations that lead to the same old frustration. Uh, Maybe it means acknowledging that you're at the end of your own power and ability, that you can no longer know how to really understand, control, 
and fix your situation or your kids or your marriage or your life. Listen, accept today that this is exactly where God wants you to be. The end of yourself is exactly where God wants you to be right now. So surrender and begin to pray this week, God, what do you want to teach me? It's been my prayer. I've been praying, uh, you know, and maybe uh, like me, you'll have your own moment where, you know, you, you, you're working out, you're just going through life, and all of a sudden God just begins to challenge you and to reveal himself to you in powerful ways. For some of us, you know, we're still wrestling with the old sin and shame from our past and our mistakes. We're like that crumpled up, stomped on $100 bill, but Christ has given us victory. We are not our past today. We're not our feelings. We are who God says we are. And so today, will you step in? to that victory. Even if nothing changes in your life, everything can change as you live out of that place of victory in Christ. Our identity is secure in God's love. So this week, you can choose to smile and, and uh, love those close to you and focus on bringing joy to others. This week, you can resolve to take life one day at a time, to just breathe, to remember whose you are and who you are. You can start your day with a prayer or a scripture or a worship song. You can reset yourself spiritually. You can trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You can submit to him and acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. For us as a church, in a time when there are so many divisions and opinions and conspiracy theories, you name it. Maybe our commitment is to simply look up again to Jesus, to come to him with open hands and open hearts and to commit to stay unified in Jesus. See, our agreement in Jesus is way bigger than all of our disagreements in the world. Our love for Jesus is bigger than all the things that are trying to pull us apart. Jesus has already defeated whatever is trying to defeat you. And so I'd like to give some of you just an opportunity today to reach out to Christ and trust him in your life. He's been calling you. He's been tapping some of you on the shoulder. Everywhere you go, you just sense God is trying to bring you to a place to return home to him. And I'd love to just give you a simple opportunity to reach out to Christ and to trust him. Would you repeat this simple prayer after me as a way of just opening your heart and beginning to follow God in your life? You can do it out loud or you can do it in your own heart and mind. God knows. But I'm gonna ask everybody to please bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you'd like to become a follower of Jesus today, you can begin that journey by repeating after me. Just say, dear God, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. Forgive me for my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me face the challenges that I'm up against. God, I surrender my life to you. In Christ's name. Friends, with every head bow and every eye closed, if that's your prayer today, if it's your commitment, I wanna ask you to just slip your hand in the air, just to acknowledge you're gonna trust Christ in your life. You're not gonna to try to do it alone. You're gonna lean on his understanding when you can't understand. You're gonna lean on his power when you can't control. You're gonna trust him to make your path straight when you can't fix it in your own strength. Just reach out to him. God, I thank you for each person reaching out to you. I pray you'll move in their life and fill them with your love, your spirit, your goodness, your forgiveness, your mercy. God, may all of us grow as we begin to follow you this week and as we make space for you in our heart and in our life. 
We thank you for all you've given us in Christ. It's his name we pray. Amen.